in this series that is the longest title that we've ever had, A God Who Never Changes in an Ever-Changing World. And we're going to start by looking at Luke 2. And so if you've got a device, go ahead and open it up there. It's on the screens. If you have an actual Bible, you win. Here's what it says. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping their watch over the flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. So I don't know if you pay attention to this, but I've started to pay attention to the voice and the emotions that I read with certain scriptures. Because some scripture is real familiar. I've followed Jesus for like 25 years now, and some things I've read a lot, and some things I feel like I know, like a voice that goes with it. Like this particular passage, whenever I, I read it myself or I hear it, I think of a specific moment, and it's, it's right here. There were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Any of you kind of think of Linus in that scene? I don't know if it's the Minnesota-St. Paul part of me, but a lot of me feels like Snoopy kind of stuff. Kind of like life sometimes feels like Charlie Brown with the football being pulled out, you know. But that scene of just sweet Linus with his blanket, that much smells so bad being, being there. You know, like I don't know that that's ever cleaned. I don't know. But Linus sitting there and sweetly reading the story, that's, that's what I automatically go to. I open up Luke 2 and I, I see little Linus with, this, with the spotlight on him and it's this sweet... Uh, moment. And so then the emotions I put with it are, are the same. They're, they're warm. They're slightly corrective. They're like, oh, silly kids, quit fighting. Like, this is what Christmas is about. But if you can somehow, like, shut off Linus and just read it, it reads very different. It's not very sweet. It's kind of shocking. Some, some shepherds are, are shepping, and an angel shows up, and there's a bright light everywhere, and the shepherds are terrified. That's what's really going on. He reads it with this really sweet voice, but it's this, like, disruption of normal life with a, a shiny angel and terrified shepherds. And then the words that we're looking at this morning, do not be afraid. But terrified, that's a big, that's a big word. And I don't think we associate it with Christmas very much. 
But I think we need to because it's throughout the Christmas story. There are these moments where people are terrified, and there are these encounters throughout Scripture where people are terrified when God shows up. And this says something about us as people. To be honest, when we think of Christmas, we need to think a little bit about being terrified. It makes me think of when, when I was a kid, Christmas Eve was with the nest side, which was this massive Norwegian celebration with just tons and tons of people. And then Christmas Day was with the lamb side, my mother's side of the family. And there were, there were fewer of us, but my grandpa was on that side, and he was like my hero. There was one thing I didn't like that he did, and he did it every Christmas. He put on this movie. I don't even know what the movie is. But the bad guy lives in a bowling ball, and he's scary, and he's mean, and I think he might steal children. And it's somehow a Christmas movie. <laughs> and every year, my grandpa was like, let's watch this. And I was like, okay, grandpa, whatever you say. And he thought it was like this sweet Christmas movie that you show children as they're kidnapped by a bowling ball guy. It's real, I promise you. I didn't Google it, but it's a real thing. And I was terrified every Christmas. And that's what I kind of think of here. It's, it's supposed to be this good moment. And the, the shepherds are terrified. But you go throughout the Bible and people are constantly terrified by God's presence. And then God continually says to people like me, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. To people like you, do not be afraid. So I started wondering, why are we afraid? Like, when we see God, why are we afraid? And one thing is, is that his presence is just holy, right? So there's the encounter that, that Peter has, where Peter is fishing, and all of a sudden, the, the nets that he'd used all night are overflowing with fish, and he realizes who God is, and realizing who God is, or Jesus is makes him realize who he is. And, and so it says in 5, uh, 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I think this holiness of God, we see it in Moses' face, would actually radiate because of the presence of God. We see Isaiah says that he has unclean lips, and soon as he gets an encounter with God, he, he, he realizes it. Elijah has to hide in the cleft, right? Like over and over, people realize the holiness of God, and it, it makes them afraid because they're not holy. And I think that's like the best spiritual answer. But I don't think that's why I'm afraid. And if I'm honest, I, as I know us, I don't think that's why we're afraid, and I've prayed on this particular message for like six weeks, and, and I'm just more and more convinced that, yes, when we realize God is holy, we are aware that we are not. But the reason I believe that we are afraid is because of expectation. We go to God, but we don't actually expect God to come back. I don't think we are. Uh, let, let me read for you a, a part of our our Christmas story in, in Luke 1. This is where Zechariah the priest is. And Zechariah is a priest. Like, his job is to communicate with God, right? To experience God. And he's not only a priest, but he's a priest who, like, won the lottery of, of priesting. 
and got to go into the holy place. He was the one priest who got to go to the place where you would expect to meet God. It's like the Super Bowl of being a priest. And if you're going to expect God anywhere, you would expect God when you win this lottery. And, and then here is what Luke records. Uh, he's offering this incense offering for the whole assembly of people who are praying outside as he's praying inside where God's presence is. Then, then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel of the Lord says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He's in the place where you would expect God to be. In the place where God's presence is, where the whole nation is gathered around because Zechariah is there. And then when the angel representing God shows up, he's not only terrified, he's overwhelmed by that terror. Because he's doing the things like that connect him with God, but he is shocked that God shows up. I was thinking about this fear. When our, our team went on the little trip to Ethiopia, and, and it's a long flight and a lot of time in a car, so I get to think of some real obscure things. And I was thinking about fear when I was looking out the car windows because it's a really busy town, and there's very few stoplights and very few stop signs, or uh, cars zipping around, and there aren't accidents like there are in Old Louisville. It just, they make it around, but it is busy, and people don't seem afraid, and it's not just that there's cars, there's livestock everywhere. I brought you a photo. There are some sheep just everywhere that go, the, like all of these sheep just crossed the road. So you're buzzing around at 40 miles an hour, and these goats and these sheep just cross the street. And you just slow down, and they go, and they make it. And I was thinking about, okay, it's weird in a car, but if I am this goat or this sheep, that's a weird life. Like you're just crossing streets, and and. Your, your shepherd is like way ahead of you or way behind you. And you're just like, no, I'm cool. I'm going to go after this taxi. And he does. And he makes it. And these sheep and these goats, like they, can, they can make it. And they don't seem real scared. They're pretty streetwise. They're street smart goats and sheep. And they make it until they're bought. And then it's over. But our, our, our goats and sheep aren't like this. So I don't know if you know this. But there is a, a, there's a special kind of goat that's unique to North America. This is true. Only in North America is there a goat that when you walk up to it, it falls over. You ever seen this? If you haven't, like, check this out. Here's a, here's a short video of us. These are North American fainting goats. You can buy one for like $150. I looked it up this week. If there was a pet that I wanted, it's that one. You walk up and, and there's, like you can watch videos like I did this week of, that explain the science of why 
These goats fall over, their muscles tighten as they get nervous, and they just collapse. They don't get hurt. They just roll on the ground until their muscles loosen and they can walk away again. And then their owner walks up to them again, and they startle them again, and the goat falls over, and this is the life of the goat. Is it just walks around and falls down anytime it's surprised by anything else that moves in the world. The fainting goat that is only found in North America. And I was like, huh, this is weird. So I'm thinking of some of, some of Jesus' words in John 10. They're going to come up here. <laughs> I like the background. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Okay, we're not getting into sheeps and goats and that. That's a whole nother sermon. But if we lump them together, we're not called to be fainting goats. And throughout Scripture, God appears to people who are acting as if they are fainting goats. And they get scared and startled and fall over. And then they get back up and they go their own way. And then God shows up and they get scared and startled and fall over and get back up and go their own way. We're to, we're to know God's voice and be known by God. And this isn't like we're old school pen pals. This isn't like we send a Christmas letter to God and then we get a letter back. This is, we're to really know God, like actually know God, like we could follow him through a busy city across busy streets and not have fear because we're just following his lead. You get, I know we're in like obscure goat land, but you following with me? We don't have to be afraid. And for somebody with wiring like me, that is fascinating because fear and anxiety are like my defaults. Those are the things I do best. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, don't, I don't have to live afraid. But, but here's the odd thing about it is, is like he, he gets to control the outcomes, right? Because to me, not being afraid means that, well, all, it means last Saturday I'm not getting a phone call that Nikki got hit by a car. And reality is in that text that says she was hit by a car comes this word that I don't have to be afraid. Those are simultaneous. But it's about expectation here. In your expectation, when you come here on Sunday, what, what are you expecting? Are we just hoping to have a thought that we think on for the week? Hoping to be able to shake some hands and give a couple people a hug? Is this a place where we just exchange something like, oh, you left this in my car, so I'll bring it to church and give it back to you? Or do we actually expect to hear from God? Do we actually expect, like, an encounter with God that we don't have to be afraid of? You see, when we're not expecting his presence... And then whatever God announces, it, it starts to terrify us. 
So look at, look at this list of things that are announced early on in Luke. In Luke 1, 13, he announces that your prayer is heard. This is to Zechariah. Do not be afraid. Your prayer is heard. To Mary, he says, do not be afraid. You found favor with God. To, uh, to the shepherds, he says, do not be afraid. I'm bringing good news of great joy. To Peter, when he's fishing, he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And this shift is a big deal. You see, it's terrifying because we know how to live in a way where we pray and then we live as if God didn't hear it. We know how to do that. God, I would love it if you would just take care of this situation. And I'm going to live expecting you to not take care of this situation. We know how to do that. And if God has the audacity to interrupt our life with an answered prayer, we're terrified. What am I supposed to do with that? We know how to live wanting the favor of God, like Pastor Jamel preached on last week, but living as if we're unimportant. God, I would love to be someone that you put your favor upon, but I am just, if I am in the body of Christ, I am the spleen at best. We know how to do that. But to actually believe that we're here with meaning and purpose and that God desires to live within us and that he actually likes us, well, that's a disruption to our life. We're, we know how to live where we say, God, I would love to know joy, and I would love for my neighbors to know joy, and I would love for all of this, but then we just go on living in the dark. You guys know I have, I've dealt with depression, and the hardest part about it for me is the day that depression is lifted, I have to live different. Because there is a day where it's not so heavy when you wake up. And that day, is confusing because I don't know how to do a day light. I only know how to do a day heavy. I don't know how to do a day where my first 17 thoughts are scripted, but where instead I say, I woke up rested. We don't know how to be rested. We don't know how to wake up joyful. Sometimes we forget. So then we're praying for joy, and when God actually brings that joy, we're terrified because we don't know what to do with it. Maybe, you're, maybe I'm just preaching to me. I'll listen to it later. <laughs> but I have been there. I've looked in the mirror and been like, well, Matt, what are you going to do now? Because it usually takes you 45 minutes to get here. You just bought 45 minutes of your day. What are you going to do now that, that you feel hope? You don't have to go muster it all up. God gave it to you already. What, what, how, how are you going to spend your day? We know how to coast without purpose, saying, God, I, I want meaning in my life, but, but then we just live as if there's no meaning. But here, to Peter, this fisherman, he gives all the meaning. Don't be afraid. And for some of us, we stay in the, in the current job that we are, and God infuses it with meaning in the current situations that we're in, and he infuses it with meaning. And some of us have a, we just 
turn a completely direct, different direction. He calls us to go somewhere else. Hey, you were a fisherman. Now you're going to go preach to people. And when God interrupts us in that space with his presence, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with his presence, and we don't know what to do with his word. But the first week of the series, we talked about sitting and pondering and being perplexed. I think we come back to that. I think we come back to this place where, where we ponder, okay, God, do I really expect to experience you? Do I even know what that means? And if the answer is no, that doesn't mean you're behind. That just means you're honest. Here's where it really matters in, in, in my life. This Wednesday is the day, again, where we have our meal, one to four. We're in here cooking for the community. I hear that it's hot dogs and hamburgers. You can come for 20 minutes if you've got time. But tomorrow, I'll walk that way, and I'll walk that way, and I'll pass out little flyers that say, hey, come and eat food with us. And people come in for food, and they stay and play cards. But along the way, every single month, somebody comes in, and they need hope. And they need healing, and they need somebody to listen, and they need an actual encounter with God. And they know that they're walking into a church. And if there's a place that you should have an actual encounter with God, it's it's arguable that it should be at church. So they come in, they put a plate together, and they come expecting God. And they meet us. And do we sit at that table expecting God? That really, really matters. Because if their pinnacle of the day is that they get to come in and expect God and get a hamburger, and our pinnacle of the day is that we gave them a hamburger, we missed it. But if we say perhaps this is a moment where God will meet us, and maybe it's in the hug or the handshake or the prayer, or maybe it's an instant situation where They need a lamp, and there happens to be a lamp right there. Maybe it's a a healing. Who knows? It is what God wants to do. But if we come and we're not terrified of it, but instead we're open to it and vulnerable and saying, okay, God, do what you're going to do, and perhaps use me, and perhaps use this space, and perhaps, like, do the work to, like, uproot in me all the, like, junk that gets in the way so that you can just be you then Wednesdays are different, and Sundays are different, and just everyday Mondays are different. I think it's telling that when God shows up, he constantly has to say, do not be afraid in Scripture. I think that's telling. And I think it would be arrogant of me and of you to say that that's not not like a, a warning sign for us. If we want to encounter God, then, okay, we we probably need to deal with this fear because if nearly everybody in the Bible had it, then I probably do too. And so what if God has proven himself good enough already that we don't have to fear his presence? And what if we can hear story after story around this room of when God intervened in people's lives and we don't have to fear being vulnerable and open to God moving? Because that's part of it, right? 
part of our hesitation is if I'm expecting God and he doesn't show up, that's show up, right? Then that's fault on him. And I can't be hurt. Second Peter, our, our theme verse for this series. Excuse me. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so we see throughout Scripture that God is the same. He says the same thing because he's unchanging and he's inviting us in. And this is not a shame-filled verse at all. This is a loving father saying, like, okay, you can trust me. You can come. I've had several conversations in the last couple weeks of people saying, I don't know that God shows up like he used to. And I think that is a wonderful statement to go to God with. And together, go to God with. But the response that it brought in me was, humbly, I don't know that we have done enough work with our fear for God to intervene like he used to. I think oftentimes I resemble that fainting goat. And even a whiff of God's kingdom comes near and I fall over. I think I've been so accustomed to life being hard and life feeling like I don't have the favor of God on me. Not that the favor of God is ease. I don't mean that. But I think we grow so accustomed to it that when God gifts us joy or hope or peace in the midst or actual relief from something, a circumstance or situation, I think often our response is to push away from it because it feels unfamiliar. Here's what I'm saying. I think since the fall of man, God has walked near us when we are at our worst. I think we often feel like we are in the dark and God is not afraid of the dark. And I think God wants to come near to us I think God came in the name of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, and he wants to push near. And I think we have no reason to be afraid of that. And I think we have no reason to be afraid that our response is fear. I think we have no reason to be ashamed that our response is fear. Instead of having all this emotion about our response, how about we just deal with our response? If you're like me, and the idea of expecting God to move is like, oh, what if he does? What? If I, and, and you have hesitation or fear or anything like that. What if that's what we bring this Christmas? And just honestly say, like, Lord, I know you're faithful. I know you haven't changed. I know you're good. I know you are in my life, and I know you want to show up like you have. But part of me is afraid, and that's just part of me. So I'm not going to go in the back room and fix it and clean it all up for you. I'm going to bring it to light. I'm going to bring it to you and say, I am afraid, and I come this way. What I've learned with dealing with my own fear, my own anxiety, my own stuff over the last years is when I bring it to God in the middle of it, I meet him there, or he meets me there. 
And when I go in a back room and try to fix it and take care of it on my own, then I'm afraid to see him anyway because I've only made it worse. I truly believe that God wants to be Emmanuel in your life, in my life, for us. He wants to be God with us. I believe that the miraculous things that God has done, he's not done yet. That's why I say don't be afraid. And when we are, let's be honest before him. I want to read the the verse we started with. Again, his words for the shepherds that I think are his words for us. Do not be afraid for see I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. For you, for me, don't be afraid. You don't have to be. Because he's bringing good news of great joy. It's for all the people, you and me included. It's for us today. So we're going to wrap up by singing a song. In a moment, I want to pray over you. But I know that some of us are stuck. Some of us are scared of God moving. I know that we have even changed our theology around the ideas that like God can't move like he did. So I'll, I'll, I'll believe in a different theology. You don't have to do all that work. That's a whole ton of work. Instead, let's set expectation again for God to meet us as God meets us. For God to do what God does. It's okay for us to be hungry for God to move. It's okay for us to be hungry for, for God to be present. If you fear some, feel some fear around that, you're not alone. But let's not miss the miracle of God's presence for something as small as fear. Let's not miss the gift of God's word to us because we're afraid he doesn't move in that way. Maybe you're somebody who's always felt like you were outside of what God does. And I want to encourage you in a moment to, to come and pray. Kat's here, Jamel's here, Joshua, Angel. We've got people, Martin would love to pray. These people would love to pray with you. Some people will be in the back. A couple people will be up front. If you're dealing with fear or anxiety, if you realize that you have like just turned off the idea of actually encountering God, if you find yourself caught up in just doing some ritual but not experiencing God in the midst of it, I encourage you, come pray with somebody. Not that they have a superpower they're going to use over you, but what happens is that God tells us, go talk to one another and go lean on him together. And God does show up when we're vulnerable with one another. God does move when we say to someone else, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Will you pray with me? God meets us in that space. God is still Emmanuel. So I want to invite you to your feet and I want to pray over us.